So it's a good morning, although it's kind of a little rainy. We got those thunderstorms coming. Yeah. <laughs> so I the heard. The thunderstorms are coming. <laughs> That's what I heard. No. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he's just gonna get little bitty showers. <laughs> this morning, um, I heard a a really cool devotion um, recently on the mix, and it reminded me a lot of a, a sermon or a piece of scripture that my pastor in Washington. Iowa would always preach from, and that was John 10.10. 10. It was one of his favorite scriptures. He loved preaching from John 10.10. 10. And it, it really reminded me, and it brought me back to John 10.10. 10. It's been a while since I've been in this, uh, this part of the Bible, and really brought a lot of clarity for me, stuff going on in my life. I just want to kind of share with you this morning. Um, the devotion that I heard on the mix uh, was very different. It, it was about the Treasury Department. And they said when you are hired onto the Treasury Department, one of your jobs is to you know, classify and identify false bills, counterfeit money. <coughs> and what they do to train them is they don't show them any counterfeit or false bills. Not one. They only show them real money. Real $1, real $5, real 10 20 so on and so forth. <clears throat> they only show real money. And they study the real money intently. So that way when you put a counterfeit bill in front of them, bingo. They see its falseness for what it is. They identify it right away. And this, this brought me back to John 10.10. 10. Because a lot of times we're so focused in our lives on the enemy. What's the enemy doing? What's the enemy look like? How can we identify the enemy? Well, perhaps we're looking at it backwards. Are we so focused on Jesus that we see the enemy? Or are we so focused on the enemy that the enemy's got us duped? <laughs> and that's what the enemy does. And that's what John 10.10 10 here is all about. And a lot of times when it comes to this, because we'll get to this in the scripture, but we, we don't fully know if we're hearing God's voice or our own voice or perhaps the manipulation and the lies of the enemy. It's very hard sometimes to determine whose voice we're actually hearing. We all experience it. You know, we all go through it. And so, again, this really brings us back to the scripture. So I'm going to start in John 10 and I'm going to read through verse 11. Start in verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls to his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now Jesus used this as an illustration, but the disciples did not fully understand the things which he spoke to them. And then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who have ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find safe pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life, and that they may have life more abundantly. For I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Praise God for his loving and living word. Now, Jesus used this parable for the disciples because in that time period, it should have been something that they easily understood. Now we see in verse 6 that they didn't quite get it. But he's using the sheep and a sheepfold and all these things because it's something they were familiar with. Not so much for us nowadays. I don't know about you, but I ain't never tended any sheep. Anybody tended any sheep? I have. Have you really? I haven't had one for a pet. Oh, did you have a sheepfold? I have two. Well, we had two sheep. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Well, I personally did. Their names were Cookie and Snooky. That's cool. I had a sheep one time. Wow. Okay, well, some of you know what a sheepfold is. I did not know what a sheepfold was. <laughs> I had to look it up. So what I'm going to do is I want to try and go through here in the Scripture uh, what Jesus was saying to the disciples using the imagery and the symbolism that he is using, but I also want to really apply it to our lives in modern-day culture and society as well. So what's a sheepfold? A sheepfold is a sheep pen. And a sheep pen was either a permanent structure or a lot of times it was a movable structure. Something they could set up quickly and take down and move. Or it was something that was permanent. Now, a lot of times, the, the ones you would take down and move were for one flock. But the ones that were more permanent, you could actually put multiple flocks in. And that was usually outside of towns like Bethlehem, uh, where we see where all the shepherds come. Well, all the shepherds came because all their sheep were in one sheepfold. And you could put multiple flocks in there. Now, the sheepfold is to protect the sheep from enemies. Well, who are the enemies? We got wolves, we got panthers, we got jackals, even had lions back then. And of course, you had thieves as well. Who would guard the door? Well, that would be the shepherd, or as in the case of, as we see in the, the gospel, uh, with uh, outside of Bethlehem, where all the shepherds came, there would be what was called a porter, a porter was somebody that all the shepherds knew, and the sheep knew them enough that they would trust him. And the porter would stand guard. And the porter would, again, lay down his life just like the shepherd would if somebody tried to come through that door or to protect him. And then the shepherds were free to actually get some rest <laughs> or to go worship baby Jesus, whatever it was. Um, that's a sheepfold. That's a sheep pen. So if we look at a sheep pen, and we're saying, seeing here what Jesus is saying, look at verse 2. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay? He who comes through the door is the shepherd. It's either going to be the shepherd or the porter. Nobody else can come through that door to get the sheep. Why? Because the sheep only know the voice of the shepherd. So granted, we have the sheepfold here. It's protecting the sheep. Okay? 
The porter is standing at the door or guarding it. The only way a thief is going to be able to come in is if he jumps the wall or tries to sneak through the front door. Now, if the sheep don't know the voice of the shepherd, they might listen to something else. So, hypothetically, thief comes to a sheepfold and say the porter fell asleep in his lawn chair and uh, he's passed out cold. And the thief walks up and goes, hey, sheep, look, I got some amazing grass I got over on the hillside over there. Shepherd's been holding out on you. He ain't been giving you this stuff. You've been eating this junk over here. I got the good stuff over here. Come on, let's go. But the sheep, they don't go. It's grass. They love grass. It's what they eat. But they're not going to go. Why? Because sheep only know the voice of the shepherd. And the same goes for us. Just like the counterfeit money. Are we so focused and listening to Jesus' voice, reading his word, in his word, living his word, that we know who's the shepherd and who's the thief? Notice also, if you look at verse 3, it says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. It also said up in, uh, I think it was verse uh, 9 or 8, he leads them in and out of safe pasture. Okay? We are constantly going in and out of the sheepfold. Always. We're not just permanently in the sheepfold. Jesus will lead us in and out. We go out for pasture. We go out into the world. We're constantly moving around. And Jesus is there as our shepherd to watch over us and protect us. He will lead us in and out of safe pasture, in and out of the sheepfold. But if we're not listening to the voice of the shepherd, we are prone to wander. And we are prone to stray. And we are prone to hear something else besides our shepherd. And so we might hear, hey, psst, come over here. I got some good something, whatever. You know, whatever your heart desires for the moment. You know, whatever your mind might be on. And all of a sudden, we've been led away from our shepherd. This is really the, the whole point of the thief. Is that we have to know and understand who our shepherd is. Now, a lot of times, preachers will say, and I say the same thing, we need to soak in his word. We need to read the Bible more. And I was thinking back in my own walk, in my own journey. Um, first time I ever got a Bible was a King James Bible. And I was probably in my early 20s. I'll be the first to admit, I hate Old English. I hate it. <laughs> I can't stand it. I can never understand it. I don't like Old English. I, was, I, I acted in high school. I loved doing acting. I hated Shakespeare. I couldn't stand Shakespeare because it was old English. Give me something, anything else but Shakespeare. So the first Bible I have, King James, I'm going, thou, thou art. Like, <laughs> forget it. I just closed it. I was done. Then somebody gave me an NIV Bible. A little bit better. But still, I would read and be like, dude, I have no idea what I'm reading. And then I hear from others that I work with today, uh, somebody I'm volunteering with and I'm doing a little one-on-one -on -one mentoring with, 
wrote to me this week and said, you know, I, I'm really trying to read my Bible. And I'm having the hardest time. I'm just not getting it. I'm reading it and I'm reading it and it's just not making sense. And I sat back and I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember those days. I do. I remember what that was like. And then, of course, you know, we have those who, you know, we have trouble reading, whether it's through dyslexia or whatever. But, you know, we live in a blessed society today where we have so many tools that God has given us. I mean, just a simple tool. On my phone, there's an app. It's called YouVersion. It's got hundreds of versions of the Bible from Italian to Indonesia to 40 different English ones. And not only can you access it on your computer, your tablet, your phone, wherever you are, but it reads it to you. It's a beautiful thing. You can put on your headphones and it can read it to you. You don't even have to read it. So I can be, you know, early in the morning, I'm kind of making myself some breakfast and I can pull up a scripture and I hit play and it'll read me John 10. And I can hear God's word as I'm doing something else. And this is kind of what, back in the day, you got to remember, in this time period, there wasn't really a written word. There was the Torah. Where was the Torah? It's in the Holy of Holies. It's in the, it's in the Sabbath. It's behind the curtain. Who had access to the Torah? The high priest. Not the general public. But how did they know the word of God? Because they were taught it. Their parents taught it to them. It was part of something that they learned growing up. Children learned it. They memorized it. They recited it. They, everybody spoke of it. It wasn't just once a week. It was every morning, during noontime, at night. The word of God was constantly being taught and spoken. And that's how they had so much knowledge of scriptures. You know, they sang the songs. The songs, psalms, were from Scripture. There was always ways that they were able to delve in and get into the Word of God. And sometimes, you know, because we have it in such a nice and neat package today, we think that's the only way. But there's so many other ways that we can get into His Word, whether it's through songs or recordings reading it to us or us reading it to others. And again, not just once a week, but almost every day, twice a day, three times a day. The more we soak in his living word, the more we can identify that enemy. <coughs> It'll be obvious. When he sits there and goes, Psst, hey, I got something. Or, hey, this is going on. Or, you know what? I really want to poke you right now. And you go, oh, wait a minute. That's not God. God doesn't want me to, to start doubting myself. You know, God doesn't want me to go out to some party or whatever it may be. God doesn't want me to put myself in a risky situation. God doesn't want me to test God. Um, God doesn't want me to think that I'm worthless or that I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. God doesn't want me to think any of those thoughts or any of these things or do any of these things. This is the enemy sitting at the gate going, in our ears. And we hear it because we're prone to stray. It's in our nature, our human nature. It's called our flesh. It's called our curse, sin, whatever you want to call it. It's in us. 
we're prone to wander. And a lot of times we get deceived because we say, well, you know, I've given my life to the Lord. I've given my life to Jesus. I walk with Jesus. But even I am going to make mistakes. Even I'm going to screw up. Even I do stupid stuff. Even I still sin. I don't know how many times a day. I really try not to keep track of that much. Because God's always constantly growing us, always bringing us closer to Him. And even once we accomplish something, overcome something in Christ, He says, okay, here's the next step. And He continues to develop us and grow us. He doesn't want us to say, hey, you know, man, I'm so much better than I was a year ago. I'm doing really good. My walk's good in Christ. Cool, now I'm just going to walk. No, no. God wants us to walk with him. Notice the verse that says, I lead you out and in of the sheepfold, in and out of pasture. He wants to lead us in and out all throughout our lives. And we have got to be attuned to him when we walk out with him, or even when we're in the sheepfold. Because let's face it, the enemy is not just out in the world. The enemy can sneak its way into its church, his church, right? We've seen it. We've seen it all too many times. Because what is the enemy? The enemy, modern day terms, is a thief like a virus. The enemy is a virus. It's a poison. What does a virus do when it attacks your body? It always adapts. It always changes. It always finds another way to tackle those new antibiotics. And we have to come out with more newer antibiotics, flu shots, and all these other kind of shots, right? Why? Because the virus keeps growing. A virus keeps adapting. Virus is very smart, it's very manipulative. But the virus only has one goal. What's John 10 10 say? The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all a virus does. That's all a virus is. You let a virus run rampant, what's it gonna do? It's gonna steal all your joy, it's gonna rip apart your body and your life, and it's gonna destroy it. That's all a virus wants. And that's what the thief is in modern day terms, is a virus. The thief just wants to come and destroy. So it will manipulate, lie, cheat, um, adapt, disguise itself in a hundred thousand different forms. Any way it can to destroy. Because that's all it cares about. It don't care about anything except itself. And even in its own self, it doesn't really care because it just wants utter destruction. Yeah. It doesn't care. You know, when a virus destroys a body, that virus dies too, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't care because its only goal is destruction, even unto itself. And that's something that we really need to understand when we're looking at the enemy. You know, we can't play nice with the enemy. There is no sitting on the fence. There is no, I can balance both ends here. Been there, done it. Can't. Because the enemy only wants destruction. The enemy only wants to destroy. And it'll adapt in your family, in your friends, in our media, our culture, our sports, in the body of Christ. It'll find any way into our lives as it can. It'll jump that wall. It'll whisper at the gate. It'll hit us while we're out in the pastures. He will hit us wherever we are. At any time, a hundred times a day. A thousand times a day. If he needs to. We do not get any peace from the enemy. But, but there's good news. There's good news because 
We know that we find peace and rest in Jesus. He says to us that you will be in my sheepfold. I will protect you. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the door. I am the sheepfold. I am the shepherd. He's everything. He's everything and all we need. And anytime we are abiding in him, he will watch over us. And we walk with him in faith, right? Like Paul says, and we hold that shield of faith high. That shield of faith is Jesus. He's our sheepfold. He's the door. He's the shepherd. We walk with that shield. So the enemy darts that come at us a hundred, a thousand, a hundred thousand times a day do not affect us. And we don't hear those stupid voices that say, you know what? You're no good. You shouldn't be doing that. Give up. Just quit. Or, hey, why don't you come over here? You haven't done this in a while. I know you're craving. Come on, check it out. We don't hear that stuff. We don't even put ourselves in the positions to hear it because we're walking with that shield and we're not even being tempted. Why? Because the enemy can't get through. Because Jesus is blocking it all. Because we are abiding in him. We recognize it right away. Go, oh, no, 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 you're not my Lord. You're not my God. I'm not listening to that junk. Division is something that the enemy loves. He'll divide families. He'll divide cultures, wars, even in the body of Christ. Oh, the enemy loves division. Loves division. Get one little sheep inside that sheepfold. Start bringing division. Oh, that shepherd's not in charge. Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden? That lie, that manipulation was all about division from God. Oh, God didn't tell you the truth. No, you're not going to die. Come on. Eat the fruit. Dude, look how good it looks. God lied to me? Boom, division. Oh, yeah, fruit does look good. <laughs> division. Oh, man, the enemy loves division. Loves division. And look, even as Jesus told this parable, go down to verse 19. Therefore, there was a division, again, among the Jews because of what Jesus was saying. Right there, Jesus is showing the enemy for what he is. And what does the enemy do? He goes straight for division. Right on target, right on plan. And those who have ears to hear go, whoa, that's the enemy working. And it even says, because some of them said, oh, he's from the devil. He's speaking things that demons talk about. And then the, the ones that are, have the ears to hear and the eyes to see and are listening to Jesus go, wait a minute. No, he's not a demon because demons can't open the eyes of the blind. Remember what we talked about. There was never anybody in all of history ever that had opened the eyes of the blind. That was only something the Messiah was going to be able to do. Nobody ever, not one healing had ever taken place where the eyes of the blind had been opened. Jesus was the first and only one. And so the ones who have the ears to hear and the eyes to see and realize who Jesus is are going, no, wait, no, 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 no. Look, the enemy's already working. He's got us all divided. You're calling him a demon already. Boom, we're split. Enemy loves it. But go back up and look at uh, verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, 
them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Praise God. Now, not don't get me wrong, I'm not speaking against denominations. I think denominations are great. I think they're a good thing. I think we all come to know Christ in different ways. I'm not saying there should be one just non-denominational church with one leader. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have one shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And we have one flock, and that is the body of Christ, made up of all these different denominations. But we are one body. But what has happened to our body? Division. Major division. Tons of division. Enemy at work. We've got to see it. We've got to identify it. We've got to understand. Say, when we focus on Jesus, we see the enemy for what he is. We see how he is working. And so we know what to pray against. We know what to pray for. And we know how to go about keeping him from hitting us and affecting the flock, the body of Christ. Because we know that he's creating division everywhere right now. Lots of division. But there should be no division in the body. Why? Because Jesus said there's one shepherd and one flock. Jesus is the head. Period. End of story. Not me. Not some other pastor. I don't care who you are. Jesus is the head. And we are the body. All humble servants. I am no different than anybody else in this room. No different. I'm not elevated up to a different status. I am just a servant of God. Period. That's it. Jesus is my head. He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. And we are the body of Christ. And he gives each and every one of us different tools and different uh, gifts to share his good news, to bring his glory to manifest in this world, to draw others towards him. Some it's through song, some it's through voice, through gifts of healing, prophetic, shepherding, teaching, whatever it may be. But he is our ultimate shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Jesus. And there's one flock and one shepherd. So the question is, who is your shepherd today? When we walk out into the world, who are we going to be listening for? Who are we going to be listening to? Are we spending enough time listening to his voice in prayer, in word, and meditation, are we watching too much you know, junk on TV and maybe not enough time over here studying? I fall victim to that all the time. Oh, NCIS is on. Oh, sweet. Marathon. <laughs> three hours later. Wow, I've watched three episodes. I could have read practically all chapter John, the whole gospel. You know, we gotta we gotta take a good hard look and say, you know, where is our attention? Where is our focus? Center not. Because the enemy will get us drawn out. The enemy knows I love NCIS. The enemy knows that's my favorite show. Why do you think it runs marathons every weekend? <laughs> oh, no, you don't need to study. Come on. Put on USA. Watch some NCIS. Yeah, sit back. It's popcorn. Oh, I need to be in this word. That's where I need to be. It's where I find my strength, my endurance. Everything I need. And all throughout the week. You know, the enemy attacks me all different ways. Physical ailments, um, mental ailments, whatever it may be, financial. And so I start stressing and I start focusing my attention on something else. And I leave his word. Don't let the thief become your shepherd. Don't let that voice 
become something that you're familiar with. Be something that it stands out like a sore thumb, just like with the treasury bills. Know what it really looks like. So that way when the counterfeit comes, because it will adapt and it will manipulate and it will look differently every time, but you'll always be able to identify it. You say, well, no, God's word is forever. It's never changing. It is never adapted. It is what it is. He is the I am, the Alpha and Omega. I know what truth is and I know what a lie is. I'm going to see it. So in closure today, I want to read Psalm 91 because I love this psalm and it just goes to show us how much he loves us and how he is our shepherd and our protector. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Amen. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, the thief, and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. Again, another symbolism of the shepherd. Under his wings you will take refuge. His truth shall be your shield, sound familiar, and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by the day. Again, sound familiar? That's where Paul referenced this from. Nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwellings. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Again, sound familiar? It's from Matthew. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise Jesus. Praise our Lord, our God. Thank you, Lord. Our Lord is mighty. Our Lord is mighty indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Got your chorus books. Please open to page 19. Stan, if you are willing and able.